hold on. Mama always asking, where did I go wrong? What's up, danger? What's up, danger? Welcome to Streaming Surface, everyone. My name is August Ricardo. And I'm Jesse Davis. He's chewing. I was swallowing a french fry. He was doing that. Uh, and we are back this week. Uh, just a skosh late, but you know what? As ready as ever. Um, how was your weekend, Jesse? It was your birthday. Um, it was my birthday, so my weekend was great. I had a great time. That's what I like to hear. That is what I like to hear. Uh, okay. So I figured we'd open up with some news. As opposed As to, we tend to do. Right. But I figured we have one of this news specifically, even though it's not on the top of my list. Mm. But I think that it's time for the weekly bullet train briefing. Oh, the weekly bullet train briefing, of course. Okay. Would you like to uh, say it? Because you sent me this, so I could just show it to you if you'd like. Zazzy Beats in the goddamn movie. Yes. I didn't know that the <clears> guy <throat> did Hobbs and Shaw was doing this one. Yeah. That's new in photo of me, too. He's dope. But, yeah. Jesse, how many times have you thought about bullet train this week? Uh, how many days are there in a week? Seven. seven. I think about it at least twice a day, so that's automatically 14. I'd say probably about 17 times this week. Was there a spike in activity around discovering Zazzy Beats was in it? I thought about it all day, that, that day. <laughs> so I'm just, like, from the moment, like, I thought about it once, and then I found out the news, and then I didn't stop thinking about it for the rest of the day, so I'm just counting that as one. Okay. Or you could count it as 12. Okay. <laughs> uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. I'm excited. I think she's a great addition to this cast. Absolutely. That me- And it means we still have one or maybe two more assassins to go. Yeah. Because we still don't know what... I mean, I guess maybe not. Maybe she's not. <clears throat> but that being said, don't have Zazzy Beats in your bullet train if she's not going to be on the bullet train exactly. bullet training it. You know, don't have her just be like Brad Pitt's wife. Right. Unless she's like a Mr. and Mrs. Smith type deal. But Which even would be then. great. Because yeah. that movie's awesome. Yeah. No. I'm excited to see it. You know, we love some Bullet Train. Adore Bullet Train. Cannot wait. Yeah. You'd, it's going to be the best movie ever. Oh, it is. Easily the best movie of the year it comes out. All right. Moving on then. All right. Uh, Warner Brothers must pay Johnny Depp's eight-figure salary for Fantastic Beasts 3 because he has a pay-or-play contract. Mm-hmm. The one scene he shot was enough to require full compensation. Man. <laughs> Legally, if he showed up on set for one day and didn't do anything, they have to pay him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that is the law. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not going to get too deep into my thoughts on this matter, audience, but right. <clears throat> Johnny Depp is an actor who was commissioned to do a job, and... He got a good he, contract. He got a good contract. Right. And so... Right. He deserves the money that he is owed. Yeah. Good for him. He's allowed to, you know, make those sort of demands, I guess would be the best way to describe it. It's not a demand to say this is the law. No, I mean, like, just going to have that kind of a contract. Oh, Like, Johnny Depp as an actor is in a position where he's going to be like, if I I even get on the plane to go to your direction, you're going to pay me. Right. So, yeah. Now, most actors would have a clause that said, like, you know, if I were to film part of this movie, I would receive part of my paycheck. Right, yeah. Probably a a correlative amount. amount. Yeah. So if I film like 50%, 50% of what I was scheduled to film and then I'm let go or whatever. Yeah. Um I get 50% of what I was what I yeah. was promised. But Johnny is a big enough name and a smart enough guy that he can say Pay me I up show front. up for 20 minutes, I get the whole the whole deal. Yeah. 
and he's not some nobody, so so, they, right. so he can do that. And then, um, for, uh, tangentially, well, not tangentially, but related, just not in by. I don't know how to explain this. So I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a petition going around to remove Amber Heard from Aquaman, too. Has over a million signatures. We don't necessarily need to get into our thoughts on whether or not she should remain in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, who do you want to replace her? Amelia Clark. That's the correct answer. <laughs> okay. Yeah, or Lily Reinhardt. Um, because I think that um, Amber Heard, like with the mirror wig on, looks like a eight years older or eight years younger Amber Heard. Or eight years older Lily yes, Reinhardt. Eight years older Lily Reinhardt. See, do you think that Lily Reinhardt's kind of young to be like paired with Jason Momoa though? That's true. Like, <clears throat> or personally, the way I would do it if I was tasked with with doing this, I would eliminate Mira entirely. Just be like she's off on a diplomatic mission and we'll never see her ever again. Question mark. Right, and then um, just introduce like a what's her name? Tula. But she's not a love interest for Aquaman. I would just have it be about the relationship between him and Nicole Kidman. Yeah, I mean that's like the thing that, though. I don't like think have that it be a fun mom and yeah. mom and son. Adventure. I don't think that Aquaman necessarily needs a love interest. I don't think he does either, especially the Aquaman that we have been given with Jason yeah. Momoa. Well, my thing is I liked individual aspects of the uh relationship of Mare in the first one. Yeah. Kind of. But I don't think it built to the resolution well, necessarily. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, they're bantering and flirting. Cool. But then when they, like, finally, like, made out, I was like, I don't know if they earned it yet. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if I need to see more of it. That's fair. But, um, yeah. All right. Okay. We. All right. Vince Vaughn confirms he's in talks for Wedding Crashers 2 with Owen Wilson and director David Dobkin. Mm-hmm. You haven't seen Wedding Crashers, but I'm going to show it to you. Someday. As soon as possible. That's the dream. I... Emma wants to watch it with me, too, so the three of us need to get together, and we'll watch it. Okay. And uh, we'll review it on this podcast. I mean, I don't know if it's on anything, but... Oh, well... I think it maybe, maybe was... It also might be on HBO Max. I don't we'll, know. We'll figure, we'll figure it out. We'll see what happens. Uh, yeah. I'm interested to see how they do a Wedding Crashers, too. Yeah. Because it kind of ends like a Shakespearean comedy. I'm not... I don't know how it ends. But I can see how it would be difficult for it to yeah. end. Oh. Well, the other thing is like... Does it end with a double wedding? It ends with like a double eloping. <laughs> yeah. It's a Shakespeare comedy. I, um... What was I about to say? It's kind of... It's not actually. But it's kind of like a, um... I guess it's sort of like a Taming of the Shrew-esque thing would be the best way to do it. If I had to pick something to compare it to. Wouldn't it be closer to, like, Much Ado? Um, yeah, it probably would. Well, yeah, it would, actually. I don't know why I didn't think of that one. That's the one. That's your favorite. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's more of a Much Ado, actually, now that you mention it. I'm stupid. It's a Much Ado About Nothing. Yeah. It is actually... It might actually be, like, a modern update of Much Ado About Nothing. Maybe. Like, just, straight up. No, not straight up. I mean, there's definitely plots that are... sure, but... Like, if I had to pick something, it'd definitely be, like, a Much Ado. Or, like, maybe a, with a little bit of, um... Love's Labors in there, too? Just a, just a skosh? Yeah, I'm not remarkably familiar with Love's Labors. In that, like... 
I know like the names of a handful of characters, and that's really all I know. Love's Labors is the one where the king decrees that if you want to be a scholar, you have to like study for five years, and you can't, you know, have any uh, relations with the woman while you're doing it. And then, like, uh, meanwhile, these like ladies come to visit from like a foreign nation, and all the scholars are like, "Bro, we're so in love." And then there's like, there's a pretty cracking scene mm-hmm. of this play I haven't read, but I have heard about. Where, um, <laughs> they, uh, so one of the guys comes to give, like, his classic Shakespearean monologue about how he's in love. Right. Then he hears, like, someone coming. And then he, like, hides in the bush. <laughs> and then the next guy comes and he gives his classic Shakespearean one. And then the first guy's going, this motherfucker, we agreed not to fall in love. And then the... That's funny. So then the second guy hears someone coming and he hides in a different bush. And then the third guy comes out and he gives his... And then the second guy goes, this motherfucker, we fucking swore. And then the second guy pops out of the bush and goes, we swore, you're a fucking Judas. And then the first guy pops out of his bush and he goes, you're all a bunch of fuckers. And then they're like, well, what are you doing in the garden? And he goes, definitely not declaring my love. It's, that, um, that sounds hilarious. It's Zac Efron movie. Oh, yeah. It's like a modern, that's what it is. That one is more explicitly a modern update of. Lowe's Labors, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm excited for Wedding Crashers, too. The other thing I don't know about is if, like, the movie's gonna be able to sell me and the fact that, like, the now in their 50s, Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn go to weddings and, like, even if they, like, have the off, like, screen, like, oh, or whatever's fell apart and we're just back in the game, you know? I don't think that'll be the plot. I think it'll be, like, they're... They're teaching the new generation of Crashers? It'll be a, it'll be a Wedding Crashers TNG type situation. Okay. I was gonna say, because, like, they're going to have to work very hard, and I don't think they'll be able to succeed no matter what they do to convince me that, like, these 50-year-old men trolling around weddings is, like... They're still slaying puss. No, not even that they're still slaying puss, that they're just not creepy. <laughs> like, the movie already toes the line to begin oh, with when yeah. they were, like, in their 30s and doing it. Right. Mainly because of the lying to have sex and stuff. I think the only appropriate time to, like, crash a wedding and get away with it is, like mid to late 20s like 26 to 28 is the sweet spot for wedding crashing yeah no they're like 30 yeah yeah they're still like they're still like a little old and it's still like it's still it's at the point where like these 30 year old men have like playbooks on how to like score women at weddings ah and i'm like that's a little much guys <laughs> yeah that's that's a little bit much right but yeah i mean so maybe they'll be teaching their next generation I'm trying to think what that movie came out odd diggity uh, yeah, probably. I think it's like 04. It was either... Oh, I was going to say, it's either like 2000 or 07. I think it's 04. That's my final bet. Because, if so, maybe they could have, like, their sons are at wedding crashing age, and they're like, we're going to take right. you on your first crash or whatever. That could be cool, I suppose. Yeah, but 16-year-old kid's not... No, I mean, oh, like... I guess, because by the time the movie rolls around, it'll probably be... Yeah, they'll be like 18. 18, 19. Yeah. Like, because the movie explicitly states that wedding crashing season is June. Yeah. Because that's when wedding season oh, is. Oh, it was 05. Okay, yeah. And it is not available for free on any streaming service. Yoinks. It's available on the premium subscription of Hulu or for $4 on Prime. Ah, no. I uh, think I have a DVD of it somewhere. Hell yeah. 
But yeah, so maybe like, like their kids just graduated high school, and then they're, we're going to take you Wedding Crashers before wedding college. Crash. Right. Yes. I'd see that movie. I'd watch that. I mean, I'd see Wedding Crashers too, no matter what. But yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Okay. Absolutely. So we got some WandaVision stuff. We did get some WandaVision stuff. Uh, it did like its whole spread for Entertainment Weekly. Uh huh. Um, we have a date. We have a date, January 15th. Yeah, I was going to say, I think January 15th, but I wasn't 100% sure because I didn't January have that. January 15th. I am counting down the days. I'm excited for it. It's so weird to me that we've gone like almost a year and a half without any Marvel. Yeah. And I mean, I, uh... But I read an article today about how it has been almost a year and a half without Marvel. And maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think that, you know, for better or for worse... A breather was nice. Yeah. Like, it wasn't in a position where it would hurt the studio, but having an unrelenting stream of Marvel for, like, 11 years. Yeah. And it absolutely came at the right time, too. Yeah. For the MCU. Came at the yeah. worst possible time for, like, everything else in the world. Right. But as long as Marvel's still doing good. <clears throat> yeah, I think that, you know, just, like, a little breather before Black Widow. Literally just at the end of the phase. Perfect. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, the other thing I got is... The premiere episode of WandaVision was filmed in black and white in front of a live studio audience. Special effects team employed wires and camera tricks to make objects appear to fly. Which I think is dope as fuck. I also, I don't know, did you read their whole thing? Or did you see like this bit? Uh, Paul Bettany wasn't red. Really? Yeah, in camera tests, red didn't translate as well to black and white. So they painted him blue, actually. For like all the black and white stuff. Interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, that makes sense. And I mean, first of all, it's amazing to me that a live studio audience had nothing has leaked. Yeah, well, they put them under, like, Paul Bettany said, like, we put them under NDAs that basically, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically stated, like, keep this secret or the mouse will find you. Right. Like, you'll well, be shot in the head. I mean, there's that, but also, like, stuff like that, it just happens, you know? Like, it's true, but I also think the majority of Marvel fans... Like, if you're going to be in a position to get on a list... If you're, right, if you're going to be in a position to keep any type of secret, you're absolutely going to, because, like, it's part of the fun. Well, the other thing is, I feel like maybe they just they didn't get, like, just Joe Schmo off the street to be right. in the, you know, WandaVision, like, live studio audience thing. Like, maybe they got... You know, maybe they emailed, like, you know, famous-ish people, like, comments, commentators and stuff like that, and like, hey... We want to do, like, a live studio audience thing. Will you come be in this? Right. And also maybe, you know, people who maybe appreciate some of the jokes, you know? Yeah. Like, maybe they require... I don't know. But maybe they require some, like, comics knowledge for some of the live studio audience jokes. Yeah. Or maybe they Or just... sitcom knowledge. Yeah. Like, 50 sitcom. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. Joe Schmo off the street is not familiar with, like, the tropes of... Right. 50 sitcoms. Mm -hmm. I can name, like... Two fifty sitcoms off the top of my head, and that's it. I've got one. Is it Lucy? It is. I can... The other one I know is The Honeymooners, and I only know that oh, one. Oh, yeah. Because that's the one every time, like, the husband's catchphrase was, I'm going to beat you so hard you fly into outer space. One day straight to the moon. Uh-huh. Oh, Love Boat, too. <laughs> oh, forgot yeah. about The Love Boat. You, I did forget about The Love Boat. But, yeah, that's cool. I think that's very cool. Yeah, I think it's awesome. Oh, my God. Um, I would like to see more media. Maybe not necessarily, like... MCU media because I think it only really works for that one specific episode of WandaVision. Right. But, um, like, more media filmed in front of a live studio audience. 
Like, like, you want more sitcoms like that? Yeah. Yeah. See, it's so weird to me that they don't make them anymore. Because, like, we grew up on them, you know? Absolutely. I wouldn't mind sort of a retor- uh, return to form to the, like, single camera sitcom. Yeah. That's, that's like, it's my biggest issue. I'm watching New Girl right now at August's behest. Uh, behest. That's the opposite word for what the meaning of this is. Oh. Um, request. Yes, at August request. And uh, my only issue with New Girl, which I, I am okay with it because of the stories that they do and, like, the, the way they do it, but the cinematography is so, like, not sitcom. Right. I can't quite get past it. Yeah. Well, I know that, and I've seen it in like, interviews where they're talking about they want to do something different, and I'm like, I get that. Yeah. You know what? I still, honestly, it's the weirdest thing for me. Hmm. I, I know it is, but, like... I only know it is because I looked it up recently. I can't remember if How My Mother has a laugh track or not. It does, but the laugh track was recorded during the filming of certain episodes, and then they would play it over. No, I mean, I know. I just forget because it feels to me like... from mm-hmm. The other thing is, How My Mother, while I realize it's like a old show, I have that in air quotes. Right. It feels very recent, you know? Yeah, it does. And recent shows don't have laugh tracks. So, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I mean, mother doesn't have a laugh track. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm like, oh shit, I guess it does. It does. And it's a weird, it's like a jarring feeling. Because like, New Girl doesn't have a laugh track and like Brooklyn Nine-Nine and like all those kind of shows don't have a laugh track. So I'm just like, oh yeah, laugh track. And I'm also watching Friends right now. And the laugh track tricks me, but it doesn't work, because I've laughed... Right. I'm almost through three three seasons of Friends. I've laughed a crack in four times, honestly. And Friends is not that good, folks. It's not as great as people think it is. <clears throat> um, I saw a... Maybe this isn't the time or place to talk about it, but I'm gonna. <laughs> a, uh, like, a fan theory or whatever that obviously was not the intention of the writers, but also, like, sort of makes sense. For what show? Hi, much mother. What is it? The mother dies in 2020. And so the the guess was that she died of, of COVID. Well. Which, you know, obviously was not the writer's intention. <laughs> but, like, thinking about it like, oh, yeah, there, there was a reason why a bunch of people died. In right. Well, that means Ted Mosey's being irresponsible as fuck. Fucking no That's mask, correct. just hanging out in her hospital room, holding her Ted hand. Ted Mosey would not wear a mask. Ever. No, he would maybe do it if someone, like, told him to. But then he would just, like... A gr- passive aggressively just like shove it up over his face. Right. No covering of nose. Like most most uh, shoppers at Ace Hardware, I-, I didn't say anything like that. Right. Right. Nothing was said. Moving on. Yes. Moving on. Scorpion King reboot is in the works from Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Danny Garcia's production company. The studio will tap a new actor to play the lead role as Johnson is booked through twenty twenty two. Word. Do you want to see more Scorp? Have you seen any of those mummy movies? I have not, actually, but very soon I'm going to sit down and watch the Mummy movies, because I... They're the kind of swashbuckling adventures you'd love. Exactly. They're my shit. I know. <laughs> it's remarkable how many, like, my shit movies are out there that I have not even touched. Right, yeah. Have you seen Indiana Jones? Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm just wondering, because I, I have not seen the fourth one. That's I the only one I've seen, actually. I have seen the third one in a very long time, but... Yeah. That's fair. I'm just wondering, and that's not your shit. <laughs> yeah, Indiana Jones is like every like once in a blue moon, they're all on Netflix, shit. and I'm like, oh, I yeah. should watch these. Did you see that? Uh, 
Harrison Ford said, I'd rather Indiana Jones die than Chris Pratt play him. Yes, he did. Do you think that Harrison Ford would come back to play Indiana Jones just to kill him, just so that Chris Pratt could never? God, I hope so. I love Harrison Ford. I love the way he wants nothing to do with any of the stuff that's made him famous. Yeah, no, the only person who hates acting as much as Harrison Ford is Chris Evans. Right? You think they say no one hates Star Wars like Star Wars fans, but that's not true. That's not true. No one hates Star Wars like Star Wars actors. <laughs> man, just no, Harrison like, Ford and Alec Guinness, man. Harrison Ford, Alec Guinness. Um, doesn't um, doesn't Ewan like playfully hate it? <laughs> he pokes fun at the prequels, but he loves Star Wars. Yeah. Okay. Um, but fucking isn't John, John Boyega? Oh well, is, but that's with good reason. That's with good and reason. Oscar Isaac, Isaac. with. He he wasn't like personally attacked by Star Wars as a property like John Boyega was, but he was like, "Man, these movies were not well made. <laughs> they were not well made, and they never like listened to us or anything." Which like, yeah, it would be nice. It's nice to be listened to as an actor, but like, well, also like him and uh, John Boyega them. are like buddies. It seems. Oh, they're best buddies. Yeah, they're best buddies. So it's also like, man, they treat my best bro like shit. Right. I'm offended by that personally. Yeah. But yeah. Also, apparently, um, Pedro Pascal was difficult the first season, I've heard, sometimes. Oh, really? Yeah. Allegedly. That's why he, apparently, um, he, you know, filmed however much he filmed, and he's like, I'm done with this. No. Oh. <laughs> and then that's why it was mostly doubles <clears throat> for the rest of the season, but then... I thought he was just busy. Doing what? Uh, filming a new Robert Rodriguez movie. Set in the world of Sharkboy and Lava Girl. That might be next. It's not, but <laughs> we'll get there. It is now. <laughs> no, because this thing it takes so long to load. I have to fucking go in order. <laughs> um, yeah. So apparently, it's also like on set rumors, and also maybe him and Dave Filoni didn't get along. But who knows? Also, I think during season two he's getting along much better with everybody though. Over uh, like, have you seen the newest episode yet? Yes, I told you. You were right. I was right. You're right. I still think it'll be a couple of episodes before it happens. What do you mean? How? It's not happening next episode. It has it'll to. It'll be episode five. It has to next episode. Nope. It has... We'll talk about it later. <laughs> it will. has to. It won't. It'll Unless they're five. kicking the audience in the dick, it has to next no, episode. No, because episode four is going to be like, I gotta, I gotta find X... And then the beginning of episode five will be him finding X. Oh, no. Like, I episode think two was I Gotta Find X, and the beginning of episode three was Finding X. Like, it'll, it'll be that season. same. This season. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. it'll, it'll follow that same... Maybe. Structure. Maybe. I assume X will show up at the end of next episode, and then what I pontificated Maybe, on I will happen. I don't think X will even... There's no way to say that without giving away, like, we'll talk about it. what it is. We'll talk about it off air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, moving on. Matthew Morrison is set to star as the Grinch in a two-hour production of Dr. Seuss's The Grinch Musical. I don't hate that. I don't like, think I need... I saw some hate about it, and I'm like, guys, Matthew Morrison's just out here trying to, like... Earn the, earn the death. <clears throat> yeah, like, and he'll be a fine choice for The Grinch. 
I suppose. I, I don't think, think I need to see the, any more of, like... I don't necessarily either, but, you know, it's Christmas. I mean, there's this, there's this Jim Carrey movie that's, like, fine or whatever. Yeah. There's this animated movie that apparently is not very good. I haven't seen it. It's all right. Yeah. I like it better than the Jim Carrey movie, but I also really don't like the Jim Carrey movie. And I know that I'm, like... I'm, like... Blasphemous for that, but... See, I acknowledge that the Jim Carrey movie is not a good movie. A really not good Dr. Seuss movie. In the same way, I like am nostalgic for like the Cat in the Hat movie, though. Yeah. But not as much. Like the Jim Carrey movie, it's whatever. If it's on around Christmas, I'll watch it. But I, outside of that, I'll not put it on at, like any other point of the year. But I'm legitimately nostalgic aggressively for Doctor Seuss's The Cat in the Hat, starring Mike Myers oh, I am not and Alec Baldwin at all. But I I have <laughs> one very like intense and very important like childhood memory connected to the Jim Carrey Grinch movie, which is the only like redeeming factor that's fair for me i suppose i remember um the first time i heard a beatles song <laughs> was in my myers the what well <clears throat> so i heard this song and i was like oh yeah this is kind of a banger all right sure and i actually bought it i, I discovered what it was i put it on my iphone when i once actually got one of those you know and i was like this song's kind of different and it's so upsetting that my first memory of the beatles <clears throat> is actually a Smash Mouth cover oh. <laughs> of Getting Better. Oh. And I forever associate them together. Uh, yeah. All right. We're going to time warp backwards just a little bit. Very good. Pedro Pascal and Christian Slater are superheroes in the first picks from Robert Rodriguez as We Can Be Heroes. The film set in the same universe as Sharkboy and Lava Girl hits Netflix uh, January 1st, 2021. So, it's cool. I like that. Yeah, it looks very Sharkboy and Lava Girl. Yeah, I mean, it just looks like a Robert Rodriguez kids movie. Maybe it has some spy kids in there. I think I remember hearing that there's some spy kids in there. Oh, I don't. I think Spy Kids Girl is gonna be in this one. What? I might have heard that. I know one of the kids is Sharkboy and Lava Girls is like kids specifically. Oh, dope. And then, yeah. Did you see the tweet? And I think you did because I think I got it because of you. Yeah. About Pedro Pascal making a Chris Pratt esque face. No. So I saw this tweet, specifically in regards to this picture. That it, I had that thought, but I didn't... And someone said, uh, Pedro Pascal could absolutely do Star-Lord, but Chris Pratt could never do The Mandalorian. That I did. That was, that was me. Okay. <laughs> no, I was like, wow. Facts. Big facts. Right. Can we dunk on Chris Pratt a third time? Oh, wait, we absolutely can. Do you have anything else? better... No, I think that looks fun. I'm excited to watch it. I am too. I really like those like Robert Rodriguez kids movies because they used to play all the time on Cartoon Network. What adult movies has Robert Rodriguez made? Machete. Oh, yes. Sin City. Yes. Others. Others. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. He direct... He's doing an episode of Mandalorian, actually. Yeah. I don't know which one off the top of my head. I think... I think it's... It might actually be four. It might be. I think so. Because I know three was... Bryce Howell again. It's in Bryce, um, Peyton Reed, and John. Oh, Peyton Reed was episode two? Yeah. Neat. Yeah, it was. All right. Anything else? No. Chris Pratt has joined the cast of uh, Thor, Love, and Thunder. Man, look. I know... I I have, like, zero affinity for the Guardians whatsoever. I have much affinity August for the Guardians. August has much affinity for the Guardians. I think they're, like... I think the movies on their own are fine... Or even good, but I don't like the way they fit into the MCU, and so I, like, 
con continuously place them near the bottom of my MCU ranking. It's fair. But, and, like, I don't really care about any of the characters except Nebula. And Do so... you most especially not care about Star-Lord, though? Oh, yeah, I super don't care about Star-Lord. <laughs> um, I like... I liked Gamora a lot. Um, and I liked Groot, but I don't love baby and or adolescent Groot. Right. And... Would you... I would have preferred Rocket yeah. in this movie than as opposed to anything. Because the, they seem to have like a good dynamic going with Rocket and yes. Thor. I saw a rumor that uh, Chris Pratt has officially joined, but like Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel are in talks to join in like a, a real capacity and not just like their studio-obligated cameo capacity. Well, because I think Bradley Cooper only has one left. I think... You, Brad the Cooper's gonna bitch him on about the MCU all day long, but he's gonna do as many movies as they pay him to do. <laughs> yeah, that's well. Brad the Cooper, we've talked about this. Brad the Cooper clearly wants nothing to do with any Absolutely of these movies. Absolutely nothing whatsoever. Like, Vin Diesel will do talk shows and stuff. Like, right. you know, he's still, you know, he's Groot. Brad the Cooper hasn't done one press event for the MCU. Yeah, since he joined, and he, he was literally his name was on the poster of the biggest movie of literally all time. Right. And he didn't do one press event for it. I think he was at the red carpet. Yeah. And I think... And he has the and, too, right? Or he has yeah, a with as. It's a, it's, yeah, it's with Bradley Cooper as Rocket Raccoon. Right. This man is, doesn't want anything to do with these movies. Nothing whatsoever. Like... But he's going to keep doing them as long as they pay him to do it. Well, because, I mean, he doesn't have to go on set. I think even Vin Diesel does on set stuff, yeah? Yeah. Like, Vin Diesel does on set stuff, he talks Vin to James... Vin Diesel does a lot of the mocap. Yeah, I mean, he does on set stuff, he has, like, special scripts that he works on of James Gunn to have Groot's dialogue, like, actually as dialogue. Right. So he knows what he's doing. Bradley Cooper wants as little to do with these movies as possible. Yeah. Like, he's like, can I... Can I just text you? Can I call you? Is that all I have to do? Right. <laughs> you want me to show up somewhere? No. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that maybe... It's, uh, oh boy, my roommate's skosh loud. Oh well. I think that, uh, maybe he'll, um, you know, appear in it, if they're gonna pay him. I also have heard, apparently, this is completely unfounded, because, like, nothing about Guardians 3 is, like, on paper. Right. <laughs> but apparently, everyone's like, they're gonna fucking kill off Rocket in this one, and I'm like, I doubt it. <laughs> I think they might kill off Rocket in Guardians 3. Maybe. Because... August once made the the argument to me. Oh, that I, Rocket Raccoon is the most emotionally compelling character. I in, no in no the MCU. no no. I no. didn't make the argument. I sent you a video making the argument and like and playfully. I was like, I I said I agree with this argument. It's a pretty good argument. I don't know if I necessarily think it is, but I like you're mm. you're like fuck that. That's bullshit. You're not. He's not even the top ten. So then I like negged you with the argument. <laughs> yeah, and I still stand by the fact that he's not in the top ten, but. In the current standing members of the Guardians, I'd say he would be number one. Unless, is Nebula traveling with them? I don't know. I Well, at the end of Guardians, or at the end of Endgame, is Nebula on the, on the boat? She's on the boat, yeah. So he'd be number th- number two or three then, depending on where in Gamora's, like, I think character arc she is. I'm trying to think. Because I haven't watched Endgame in, like, a year. Um, yeah. I think that, I mean, I think Nebula and, Nebula more so than Gamora, his arcs are, like, kind of wrapped up. 
Yeah. And then, but I still think there are places to go with Rocket's Ark. Yes, and I think that's that's what like the a lot of the rumors about. Well, apparently, Guardians Volume Three is that it's like high evolutionary, and we're gonna right. It's it's a lot about like Rocket's origin. Yeah, and I think Rocket killing, um, his creator, his creator, is and the a, ultimate a Perseus style. Yeah, battle would would be the best way to wrap up his character arc. Yeah, I could see that. Also, apparently, Guardians Three is they're gonna retire a lot of them. I think that makes sense. Yeah, I I think. Marvel's sort of looking for a way to offload Chris Pratt. Maybe. I mean, so, adding him to another movie is not exactly offloading. He has two movies left in his contract. Oh. Oh, so, I didn't know he had two movies left. I thought he only had... Oh, they, they wrapped him for a six? Yep. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. My only problem with, like, this Guardians 3 offloading, like, most of the Guardians is that... I don't know if I can, like, see them introducing a new team in, like, a movie, you know? Yeah. Because apparently... They could just let the Guardians go. They're not going to do that, though. They could and they should. I mean, these movies consistently make more money than, like, an Ant-Man or, like, even a Doctor Strange, I think. Yeah, but if if they just took the few <clears throat> remaining characters, integrated them into the Avengers, because they... There's no... There's nowhere else to go. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, I suppose... Adam, th- I suppose... Well, apparently they're gonna add Adam Warlock. They're gonna yeah. add, like, a, a Nova. They're gonna add, um... But Nova would work better on his own or in a core. He wouldn't work well Well, on they've already the, established... Or on they, the Well, they wrote Avengers themselves team. into a corner where they're like, the Nova are all dead. All the Novas are dead. There's no Nova core. Zan... Let's say Xanadu. Xandar. Xandar's just... Xandar's destroyed. No, no Novas. Yeah. And they made the Nova, like, in the first Guardians movie, less of, like, the Green Lantern characters they are in the comics, and more just kind of like cops. Yeah. Not even, like, cool space cops that can fly around in, like, their own, like, like stuff. They have to be in ships and, like, doing shit. Right. So, mm. I don't think that the Nova we see in the first Guardians movie necessarily lend themselves to the character of Nova. Which is a character I really like, because, you know, he's like a teenage Hispanic superhero, and I have to like all four of those that exist. Right. Yeah. But still, I'm like, I don't know. I could see that maybe, like... And the other thing is, most Novas are teenagers, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, like Dick Ryder is usually a... Well, Dick, Dick Ryder is, uh... He starts off as, like, a 17-year-old, and then his story carries him all the way until, like, his mid-30s. Right. Um, whereas, like, Sam's... Starts as, like, a 15-year-old. like, a 13-year-old. Oh, yeah, I forgot how young he um, is usually. But, you know, with them bringing in Kamala, they're going to bring in... I'd prefer to see Sam as opposed to Dick Ryder. I would... What I would like to see is sort of a... Like a fusion of the two. See, my problem, though, is... I, I'd like to see... They missed out on the perfect opportunity to introduce Dick Ryder. Because... Yeah. From what I remember of his origin, his, like, dad... or I mean, both their dads are Novas, right? No, Sam's or no. brother was a Nova. Yeah. No, it was Sam's dad. I know it was Sam's dad. Because I know that like his dad is kind of like this loser who would talk about, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I was absolutely Nova, it was the coolest shit ever. And he goes, Dad, you're the biggest fucking loser around. That's right. And he was like a deadbeat. Oh, I th- and then, so I think it was Richards who was, uh, it was his brother. Yeah, and then like, when the Nova were destroyed, like his brother like fled to Earth dying, and then he was like, fucking take my helmet, be a Nova. Yeah. 
just should have done something like also i don't know if like endgame or infinity wars the movie to be like yeah nova's here now right but like it would have been done then so i suppose maybe marvel if you're looking if you're looking for a dude to play a guy named dick rider i am willing and available if you're looking for a dude to play a guy named sam alexander i am willing and available boom but like my thing is i mean and i suppose they could also be like yeah, and then so his dad, his brother came, gave him the helmet, and he's like, I'm going to be Nova. And then he immediately got snapped. <laughs> that would work, actually. It would work, but it'd be, like, comic. <laughs> it'd be kind of comical, though, right? Yeah. If he was like, yeah, I was going to save the day, and then I just kind of died immediately. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, that's my thoughts on it. All right. <laughs> what? Speaking of dick... What? The death of Dick Grayson, aka the first Robin by the Joker, will be featured in Zack Snyder's Justice League. Hot oh. scoop! Hot scoop! Also, um, Zack Snyder confirmed Jared Leto's Joker is quote road weary and will have a totally different look in Justice League than what we saw of him in Suicide Squad. See, I'm okay. So part two of that, I'm fine with that because that's my biggest issue with Jared Leto's Joker. Besides, like the process that Jared Leto went through to play that character, is I don't love his look. Um, but like. <laughs> a, <laughs> yeah but like a like a road weary joker i, I could I, I don't care i don't care but like you know if i'm gonna watch this movie so any like small piece of something i might enjoy i'm gonna hold on to i can guarantee you the linchpin that makes me like this movie is not gonna be the joker oh probably not but um and on to part one of the news i knew it was gonna happen when they announced the joker was gonna be in it but god damn it god damn it why yeah, like, also apparently, they, apparently, this came out too, because it fluctuates. I think that the Snyder Cut's actually a scam. Because, <laughs> so also it came out this week that, um, only like four to five minutes of footage are being added. They're paying $75 million. Exactly! And one of them was filmed over Zoom with like Ezra Miller direct, being directed by Zack Snyder. Like, in between takes of Fantastic Beasts over Zoom, and I'm like, then why does he need $75 million? Right. What is this going to? Holy shit. Like, what a scam. What a joke. Oh, man. And then, my thing is, statements that have been come out are not compatible. No. Like, Zack Snyder's, like, slapping his dick on the table and going, we're not gonna use anything Joss Wheaton film because he's a fucking hack. It's fucking Snyder cut forever, bitches. But then he's like, oh, yeah, you know, we're only going to do four to five minutes of extra footage. And I'm like, you can't do both of those, dude. Right, and still turn out with a four and a half hour project. Yeah, like, like holy shit, my guy. Here's, I'm going to say something, and it may shock you and the audience. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I hope <coughs> when we review the Snyder Cut, because we are, like, that's going on the schedule. Like, the minute the Snyder Cut is on HBO, we are watching and recording it. Right, yeah. Like, we have to. Because we've talked so much shit, we've backed ourselves into this corner, we have to. to. Like, we have to. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong about everything. I hope this movie turns it around and is the best movie ever made. I know it will not be, but I really... Like, I, I hope I'm wrong. Listen, but unless, like, fucking... The Snyder Cut makes the end of the Avatar state and the worlds align right. and everything becomes clear. It's not what's been promised to me. Right. 
I saw someone say, in all honesty, the most, the truth of the Snyder Cut is that it's probably going to be, like, if you consider, like, grading on, like, a, like, a integer kind of scale. Right. It's literally going to be 10% in either direction of what we already have. And that's, like, right. best case scenario. Yeah. Like, it'll be either, like, 10% worse or 10% better, and that'll be it. Right. And it's, like... I, uh, however, it will enter negative numbers if it goes to ten, if it goes ten percent worse. So, you you didn't hate the first Justice League movie. I thought we saw it actually. Like, yeah, no, you're right. I it's like a fifty. Honestly, no, I hated it, but I had a good time watching it. We watched it. That's right. We did it all in baby. Like it. It was. It was not a good movie, and it was a very poor representation of all those characters who are very near and dear to me. However. I I enjoyed watching that movie a hell of a lot more than I enjoyed watching Batman vs Superman. Well, because people is because characters smile and tell jokes and yeah, I, and I I think that like there were elements of it where I where I could have fun watching the movie. Yeah, I think the movie itself is like a gross overreaction to the re- like reception of um yeah. Batman v Superman, which what scares me most about the Snyder Cut is that it's just gonna be like the. The gross overreaction back in the wrong direction. Right, and even more so, probably. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, the other thing is... But the problem with that isn't that... I mean, I haven't watched Batman v Superman in, like, a while. We watched it together. Yeah, we did. Beginning of the year, yeah? Yeah. But my problem with it isn't necessarily even that it's, like... Oh, fucking... It's so dark and gritty... I mean, it is, and it's annoying and stupid and doesn't work, but right. the reaction to it wasn't, oh, it's so dark and gritty, it doesn't commit to the bit. Like, that's not the problem with it. No one was like, it didn't go dark enough, man. Like, right. so I don't think that even, you know, doubling down on it is going to be better. No, I don't think so either. And, like... I, 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 I know I'm right, but there's a little part of me that is holding out hope that I'm wrong. Right. And, like, Joss Whedon didn't rewrite the story or anything... No, his yeah. job wasn't to make a new movie. I mean, he did, but he like ma- he made some a handful of script edits. But those were just adding jokes, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. and maybe like I don't know, fixing some shit Zack Snyder did. I don't know. I haven't right. seen the original script. But my problem is the just like the skeleton of the movie we have, and again, we're working with the skeleton of this movie. That's not a four-hour story. No, it isn't. In fact, well, it's barely a two-hour story. Really, here's, here's what I'm curious to know is. The Snyder Cut, because I know that Zack Snyder did film a lot of footage for the second Justice League movie, and they were going to, because it was originally Justice League Part 1, part one and then Justice League Part 2, right? and then the studio was like, no, 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 you can make one, like, two and three quarter hours movie long, and so he sort of, like, condensed that script. Mm-hmm. And then he even was just like, you know what, actually we're just going to make like the first part and then we'll see what happens to the second part. Right. And um, so, but he had shot a good amount of the footage for the second part. So I'm wondering if that is going to be it. Like if the first half of the movie will be like pretty well, much the first we Justice got, League movie is two hours. Half. It's a flat two hour runtime. I think it's exactly right. like two hours and 17 minutes. It is less. It, I know it's exactly two hours, because I know that Warner Brothers are like, this movie's not going to make enough money. Yeah. Let's shorten it and get more more screenings in. Right. So, I know that that was, like, the thought process behind it. So, it could be, like, you know, 
a slightly beefier version of Justice League we already have in, like, the first part, the mm-hmm. first two episodes, and then, like, a second Justice League movie in the second two parts. Yeah. But, like, that's not what you said. Right. And, I mean, that's the thing. I don't know if I need to see two Justice League movies smashed together being as, like, a mini series, but... Oh, I know for a fact that I don't need to see it. But Especially because it doesn't seem like it's like building to anything interesting. No. Because, like, apparently the whole deal is that they fucking lose in the first one. Right. And then the second one, it's, it's Apocalypse War and, like... Oh my god, it's fucking... It's the dark, dark side one. Superman fell to the anti-life equation. And there's fucking Omegas in the middle of the ground for no reason. And, and fucking uh, Cyborg's just a torso now. That's all that's left. It's just a torso. And like... Just a torso, man. He's gonna fuck you up. And then like... Uh, Barry has to run back in time. And I remember this, because I read this. And I was like, that's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever read. Yeah. So, apparently for Zack Snyder's vision of how time travel works... For this universe is that because the Flash has to run to travel through time, right? He can only travel to certain days. What? Why? Because the Earth rotates, so he can only travel to days where the Earth is in a comparable position to where it is when he started running. Oh, okay. That sounds. Stupid, but okay. Yeah, so then he's gonna run back and he's gonna be like, Lois is the key, Lois is the key! And that's... Who cares? Apparently supposed to mean something to the viewers? To this audience? I just think the biggest problem with these DCU movies, like, originally, when I first got started... Right. Was, they told Zack Snyder, make your story arc, but also, it's, it's gonna be in the universe, and then he forgot about make your the everything after make your story arc. Right. Because nothing in this world fits, if anything else. Like, no. Wonder Woman just barely fits, but a Wonder Woman sequel does not fit in this world. Aquaman doesn't, like, just, like, just fit fits. at all. Oh, I'd say it doesn't really fit at all. Totally it doesn't at all, but, like, I suppose I can be like, I suppose Aquaman would become a famous superhero after the events of Justice League. Yeah. Maybe. I don't think Shazam fits in this world. I don't know. Like. Birds of Prey... Suicide Squad doesn't even fit yeah, in this world. Suicide Squad doesn't fit in this world. Birds of Prey sort of fits with Suicide Squad, but not even really. I mean, it does. Okay. Birds of Prey fits with Suicide Squad, but not with another Suicide Squad movie. Yeah. Like. No, you. there was one direction for Harley Quinn. You, you were, no, there were two directions for Harley right, Quinn, you but you were just like, roads, what if... What if we just make it one direction? Like, what if right. what if we just, you know, take this path that we go on for Birds of Prey, and then we smash it with a hammer until it bends into this road? Exactly. <laughs> We're just going to pave over both roads and make them one. Right. Well, the other thing is, I watched Birds of Prey with Becca, actually, when she was here. Uh-huh. She didn't even know it was the same Harley Quinn. Oh, really? Yeah, because it was so different. Like, yeah. Like, it just barely fit. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. It's all these movies. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. I just think that maybe this direction DC's going, where everything is kind of separate. But you know what? If, like, elements work better, they can carry over. Yeah. Like, I'm interested to see how Black Adam turns out. 
Same. Because it doesn't seem like this universe is one that has had a Justice Society, like, active in the 70s or something. Right. Because, like, like, for... So, A, Superman arriving was like, oh, my God, Superman, there's fucking superheroes now. Right. But Batman's been around for, like, 20 years or something. Exactly. And Wonder Woman's been around for, like, 100 years or Or something. something. And also, maybe there's Green Lanterns, but maybe not. Right. What do we know? And I guess... Because, like, Batman's the only active superhero we see, like, other than Superman. And Superman's, like, dead by the time we get the Suicide Squad. Right. I guess he put away every single person. Yeah. Like, Batman took down El Diablo. And, and people were still wondering, like, is Batman, is real? Batman even real? Like, yeah, the, the proof is there. Yeah. Like, sure, he could take down, like, Deadshot and whatever Joker, but, like, I'm like... Batman did not fucking take down El right, Diablo. Right, he didn't take down El Diablo. He did not take down... Um, I don't even know who else was on that team. Uh, well, actually, everybody else he probably could have taken down relatively easily. Except for um, maybe Killer Croc. But also, like, Batman regularly does take down Killer Croc on his, on his lonesome. Right, I guess. But I'm just saying, it just doesn't feel like these pieces fit together, but they've been jackhammered into fitting in. Right. And... Honestly, I like this new looser style where it's like, yeah, things can carry over, but it doesn't, it's not like hard and fast, you know, like maybe Harley Quinn, you know, got out of prison for whatever reason, and then maybe she gets arrested later on. And I don't need to see like the rest of the birds of prey show up in Suicide Squad to be like, and here's how it happened. Right. Like, I like birds of prey as is. So, yeah. Birds of prey is, I think, my favorite DC EU film. I might need to watch it again, because I didn't i mean i i might need to watch it again to know if it's like how high it ranks definitively yeah. but i know it's probably like we have the same top three because they're what are your top three shazam aquaman birds of prey yeah i just don't know what order yeah i think it probably goes the order i said shazam aquaman birds of prey i think mine goes in the exact opposite order that's fair all right Ready to move on? Yes, sir. John M. Chu is in talks of Disney to direct a live-action Lilo and Stitch movie. I was with him. Dude, we read this at the same time. I've got a lot of thoughts about this. It's So Lilo and Stitch weird? is actually my favorite Disney movie. Yeah. We have Stitch around here somewhere. We do. He's, I'm looking at him. He's, He's got some pooks. He does have some pooks. Um, um, I, on the one hand, this movie should not be being made. Well, they're going to make a remake of all of them. Well, yeah, but like this one should not. Because it's just, it's not going to work. But also, like, John M. Chu is a director choice. I can get behind that. I suppose, but I mean, like... And do I want to see a live-action Lilo Stitch? Maybe. Jury's still out on that one. Do I need to? Absolutely not. Should I? Probably not. Holy Cravalo for Nani. What do you think? Oh. Mm, never mind. If they do that, I want to see this movie. <laughs> I, we t- I think the biggest problem with this movie, and we talked about this, Stitch, Jumba, Pleakley. Yeah, no, they're all going to look bad. Fucking uh, Council Lady, they're all going to look terrible. Right. Like, Stitch's design works in animation because he can be, like, cute. You can make him cute and ugly at the same time. In live action, you can't, really. Unless you just make him look like a pug. Yeah, but, but also... he wouldn't be But he doesn't look like a pug. Right. He looks like a space rabbit thing. Exactly. I think that, you know, like, I don't know. 
I'm excited to see this movie, maybe. No, I'm not. I I mean, I like Leland Stitch, my favorite Disney movie. I honestly would have thought we would have had to get through all the musicals before they got to something like this. Yeah. I mean, I guess all the musicals are in various stages of development at this point. Yeah, but also, like, everybody on the internet has been clamoring for a live-action Lilo and Stitch since Who? the live-action Cinderella was... I don't need to see a live-action Lilo and Stitch. That, I don't like, either. I, don't, I think it's a, like, actually bad idea. I, yeah, I think it's objectively bad. I think maybe the only way I could see it working is if they did, like, um, they are puppets. Mm, like Baby Yoda puppets? I mean, I mean, yeah, something like that. Or like Muppets puppets. Because I could see Baby Yoda like puppets working, but Muppets only for puppets. Stitch though. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I don't mean necessarily like. I mean, if they outsource it to the Henson Company and they're like, and they have it under the most intense scrutiny possible. Right. Like, they focus group it with every single demographic, and they're like, does this work? Right. I think Stitch would work better as a puppet than, like, a CG monstrosity, you know? Maybe. Maybe. I'd rather him be a puppet than, like, CG. I'd have to see the puppet. The puppet model and the CG model and be like, one of these works better. I think that, um, like, a puppet enhanced of CG would be better. Yeah. But, I mean, also, the other thing is, like, the climax of that movie is a big fight scene of Stitch, so it's probably gonna have to be, like, a fucking CG model for that. Right. I don't know, it's just weird. It's just weird. And, I mean, I... But that's only for Stitch. And none of the other ones work. Like, Pleatley's gonna look horrifying in live action. Gantu, Jumba, they're gonna look terrible. Yeah. Like... Maybe Gantu will look alright, because he's kind of just, like, a big whale dude, I guess. Right. But, like... Pleatley's gonna cause nightmares. Holy shit. Definitely. I don't know. You got two tongues, dude. He do. But John Mulaney as Pleatley? Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, that actually needs to happen. <laughs> either, either John Mulaney... As Pleakley doing both the physical work and the voice, or just doing the voice of 625. I could also get behind. But Pleakley specifically, like, dude. <laughs> that's that's perfect right there. Like, there's some castings I'd like to see. Like, I really like Ali Carvalho as Nani. Yeah, Ali Carvalho as Nani. John Mulaney as Pleakley. I don't know who else. <laughs> um, who do you want to see as, like, a Jumbo? Um... Oh, I don't know, man. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, I feel like a lot of characters that are really popular in the greater Lilo and Stitch canon aren't really in the first one, you know? Like, 625 isn't in the first one. Yeah, he is. No, he's not. Yeah, he is. I can guarantee you he's not. 625 is. No, he's not. I promise he is. I'll give you money later if he is, but I know for a fact we don't see any of the other experiments until Stitch the movie, because that was the pilot for the show. We understand that there's, like, 625 other experiments... But we don't see any of them until the, um, Stitch, exclamation point, the movie. I'm pretty sure 65 is with Gantu. No, he's not. He's not until the Stitch, the movie. I guess, I guess we'll find out. We'll find out off air, but like, he's not. Huh. Because Gantu is just like a 
on his own hunting down Stitch in the first one. I swore he had 65 with him. No. He, um... No. no. He doesn't get 65 until the second movie because that's... Because he gets fired for not bringing in Stitch. Oh, yeah. And then he has to go back to the hamster dude and then they're going to steal the other experiments and then that's how he gets 65. And I don't know, maybe they'll change it. Maybe they'll, like, give Gantu 625 because just so he has someone to play off of. Yeah. Because Gantu isn't really in the first one a whole lot, actually, from what yeah. I remember. Like, it's mostly Jumba and Pleakley doing their thing, and then they fail. Well, because so then... Jumba and Pleakley are, like, lovable antagonists through the first movie, aren't they? Yeah, they're distinctly trying to capture Stitch, with Pleakley being the voice of reason, because he's like, he can't kill the humans, because, um... I know why, I'm trying to remember. Oh, because uh, Earth is a mosquito preserve. Yeah. And it'll endanger the ecosystem. Yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah, if I have to see it... I mean, I'm going to see it when it comes out. Oh, I'm definitely going to see it. Yeah. And I might like it. Like, I might be talking all this shit. It, there's there's a chance it could work. I just and don't I think, think with that... the information we've been provided... What information? John M. Chu? John it's M. Chu. the only information. <laughs> they, they could work it. Disney, please cast John Mulaney as Pleakley. Please cast John Mulaney as Pleakley. Like, we you know will, that that's perfect. We will not sue you if you do that. Right. <laughs> And I believe Provalo is Nani. Yeah, yeah. Also, will not sue you for that. What about? I'm trying to think, who else could be in this? I feel like Dwayne Johnson could fit in this movie. But as who? Maybe Gantu. But does Dwayne Johnson play villains? Like, is that the Dwayne Johnson he, brand nowadays? He started off playing villains. No, I know he started, but and now he's about to do Black Adam. So I, I think he. But Black Adam is like an antihero. In the context of that movie. Well, yeah. But, I mean, like, he was the rock. He was a heel for a long time. No, I know. I know. He was the scorpion king. I know. I know. I know. I'm just saying, like, like, it's not, like, his brand, like, you know, to be, like, a Gantu. Also, Gantu, I mean, like, he's not, like, a vicious villain or anything. Like, he's kind of, like, a buffoon. Exactly. But, like, I don't know if it's his brand, you know, to be, like, a villain who, like, kidnaps children. (laughs) Maybe he could be the, uh... Jumbo? Uh, no, Bubbles. Oh, I'd love to see him as Cobra Bubbles. Yeah, Cobra Bubbles. Or, it's either him or Terry Crews. Yeah. No, Terry Crews is too goofy. Yeah, okay. Because the, the Rock can be goofy, but he's not always goofy. Yeah. Whereas Terry Crews is, like, goofy in everything. Yeah, okay. Including sometimes life. Yeah. <laughs> I, um... <laughs> sometimes, including sometimes the real world. Right. Yeah, okay. I'd like to see, I could I could see Dwayne Johnson being um Cobra Bubbles. Uh I'm just trying to think how I want to see his Jumba now. Um you know the guy who played Bertram on Jesse? Kevin Chamberlain? Kevin Chamberlain? He could maybe be. No. I've got it. Oh, I've got it. I've got it. I need I need his name. Uh okay. Um oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. Uh, We're probably going to get an unknown for Lilo. I God, I hope so. I mean, I don't know how many like, I don't know any famous Hawaiian child actors at the top of my head who are right. like ten or four. I should think is how old Lilo canonically is or something. Uh, I think she's ten. Um, John Carroll Lynch. Who was he? He's this gentleman. Oh, what was he? Um, for Jumbo. What was he in? A lot of things. What? What? There's like a known Zodiac is what I know. Oh, from. okay. Uh, most i can see that yeah but um oh he's in the founder american horror story 
Lucky, The Invitation, Grantorio, Shutter Island, Fargo, Gothica, okay. Crazy Stupid Love, The Drew Carey Show, okay. Hot Pursuit, Face Off. Yeah, okay. I could see something. I could be down to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. And then, this is quick. It's our last bit of news. Judd Apatow is set to direct an untitled comedy film for Netflix. The film will follow a group of actors stuck inside a pandemic bubble at a hotel attempting to complete a film. It is expected to have an all-star cast similar to Knives Out. I don't know if that's a comparison I'd make, but okay. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> I previously said I didn't want to see any pandemic media, films like, about the pandemic. That I don't automatically hate. Right. Like hearing that. It's like, not that a songbird. Like, yeah, like that sounds like it could be it could be interesting. I would rather that this is the end it than like have you ever seen that one? I don't think I have. It's like Seth Rogen, um oh, Jay Baruchel, Jonah. Oh, Hill. so the actors are like playing themselves. They are themselves and the rapture happens. That would be interesting. And like there's like funny jokes. Like there's some there's some pretty good bits in there. Like sure. um I'm trying to remember, like ju- like um Danny McBride like has like a Mad Max gang and like Jonah not Jonah Hill Channing Tatum was like in a gimp suit and is like his pet now or something. That's that's pretty hilarious. There's a in, there's a kind of weird joke with Emma Watson where she like comes and then she's gonna hide with them and they're all talking like in the other room and she comically thinks they're gonna like you know her oh <laughs> it's a weird joke but sure. I don't know. I like that movie. It's pretty good. Isn't that the same movie where Michael Sarah and Rihanna. the Michael Sarah and Rihanna story? Yes. Nice. Yeah. I'd tell that story if we have like a minute left on this recording. Um yeah. so yeah, I'd rather they play themselves as opposed to that these all star actors play like caricatures. <clears throat> but I also I am a big fan of the caricature archetype. It worked really well in Knives Out. It did I mean it worked very well in Knives Out, but um, you know. It worked really well in Murder on the Orient Express, but I feel like both but those are but those work better for like Murder whodunit mysteries, mysteries yeah. as opposed to like this could be a whodunit mystery. What's the whodunit mystery? Which one of us is sick? Is that the whodunit? That could be interesting though. Maybe, but it's like a Judd Apatow movie, so it's gonna be That's like, true. like it's just gonna be like, you know, the fucking usual suspects for Judd Apatow movies. You know, yeah, it's gonna be like, oh, is it Paul Rudd? Is it Leslie Mann? Is it Seth Rogen? Who could it be? Robert Downey Jr. would be a great addition to that movie. I would see it. All right. Ready for the main thing? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, before we get into that, we have this little insert we'd like to put in. Uh, our good friend, John Pacheco. John Pacheco. John Pacheco. Shout out to John Pacheco. Fantastic musician. His band. Fantastic person as well. He is. He's a great man. Uh, we got some Red Bull the other day together. Amazing. We love Winterberry. It's all right. You're dumb. No, I'm mostly just pissed. This is not about John Pacheco. I'm mostly just pissed. <laughs> Because I religiously drank the red edition of Red Bull, the and they discontinued it to replace the, the cranberry flavor with the watermelon flavor, and I'm pissed off. So you're it. mad at Big Red Bull? That's correct. Okay. Anyways, uh, John Pacheco's band, The Backups, is coming up with coming out of their new single, Got Nothing Left. That'll be out next week. We've both heard it. It's fantastic. It goes so hard, guys. It's amazing. If it's, you're a fan of, like, alt-rock like indie kind of cage the elephant vibe yes like a cage the elephant type vibe if you're a big fan go listen to john if you're not a big fan go listen to john yeah it's fantastic uh he might you know be doing a theme song for us maybe 
Who knows? Who knows? Maybe we'll Only see. Only time will tell. Time will tell. Or maybe I won't. Maybe I will. Should, should we say the other thing? What's the other thing? The other thing? What's the other thing? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We, um... <laughs> uh, so, coming up soon, we are going to have merch. Merchandise. We are going to have some merchandise soon. Uh, I am actually in contact with a uh, artist friend of mine. They are doing some mock-ups for it. It's Jesse's, uh, I'm getting, it's, a, it's his Christmas gift. So he's not gonna see it, but I'm gonna, Emma's seen some of it. Sick. And, uh, she liked it. We did our pictures for it the other day, and I have some, uh, stuff. So, you know what? When, uh, that merch comes through, we will absolutely tell you more about how to get a hold of some. But, you know, if you want some Streaming Surfers merch, you should, uh, know that it might be around time for the holiday season. Absolutely. But for now, what you should do... Is go listen to the breakups new single backups. got nothing. The backups. You slut. Oh my god. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, friends. Uh, the backups. Go listen to the backups new single. Got nothing left. Yeah, will it's be available uh, on all streaming platforms on November twentieth. Yeah. Or I so if you uh, go to his uh, Instagram at uh, Latino Juanito, you can uh, go and have the link, and it will if you follow it. It'll send you to whatever streaming service you listen to music from, and it'll allow you to set a reminder so that it automatically downloads when you uh, when the day rolls over. Amazing. Yeah. And then other than that, just uh, you know, wait for it. We're gonna plug it this week. We're gonna plug it next week, and we're gonna probably plug it the week after, and maybe the week after that. Probably. You Only know. time will tell. Only time will tell. And uh, yeah, so be on the lookout for some merch. And uh, yeah, all right. Now on to into the Spider Verse. All right, into the Spider Verse. Into the Spider-Verse. Jesse, what do you think of Into the Spider-Verse? Let's give this a grade right out the gate. Let's give it a grade right out of the gate. Into the Spider-Verse is a solid, like, 98%. True that. Like, Into the Spider-Verse fucks. I have, like, maybe three complaints about the movie. I Maybe. I, I would agree. I have little to no complaints about the movie. However, I don't hold it in as high regard as... Everybody else, like, not quite as high. Like, you don't hold the movie in high regard? Or as high regard as everyone else? Yeah, I still, like, it's it's up there. For right. Me. But, like, you know, it is not a, a uncommon or controversial opinion to say that Spider-Verse is either your favorite or the best superhero movie ever yeah. made. And I can see arguments for it, but I personally... I don't know if it's my favorite. I do think that it's, like, technically one of the best. It is. It is damn good. Yeah. All right. Um, do you want to do the story or do you want me to do the story? Um, you do the story. Okay. So, you know, uh, we meet Spider-Man, Peter Parker. We do. He's kind of the top of his game. He's, you know, just the best Spider-Man ever, I suppose. And, uh, you know, then immediately there we meet Miles Morales. He's, uh, uh, you know, starting middle high school. Yes. (laughs) Starting school, doesn't want to be there. And then uh, he gets bitten by a radioactive spider. And then who knows? How if... does he get bit again? Like what? Oh, he's oh, a, yeah, 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 he's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Spraying yeah. some paint. Yeah, yeah. And then um, who knows what happens next? We do, but I feel like that's a we do. Well, I mean, I guess it's not a spoiler to say. And then more spider people come. Yeah, that's like the, the that's the premise of the, the movie. Yeah, we get a we get some more spider people in there. We sure do. There are there any performances that stand out in particular to you? Um, so, yes, a lot of them. 
Yeah. Um, First of all, this movie does not have a bad performance, I would say. No. It does not. Um, I, yeah, I would, it would be easier to talk about the performances I didn't like, of which there are none. Right. Um, I mean, there were some that, like, you know, didn't necessarily stand out as much, I would say. I feel like that's a, like, I don't know if I got as much out of, say, I don't know, like, maybe Liv Schreiber as, um, Kingpin. Like, I liked it. I thought it was a good performance, but it was Oh, I got a lot out of that one. Or, like, maybe even, like, um, like, Zoe Kravitz as MJ. Like, cool. Yeah. Or, um, Luna Lauren Valdez as uh, Rio. I don't... Yeah. There's a little bit more to get out of the, uh, MJ performance that I would like to dive into. We can absolutely dive into it. I think I might know what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm sure you do. Is it like an internet theory thing? Yes. Okay. But there's no way it's not true. Okay. Uh, and then... And actually it was confirmed by the creators. Was it? Are we talking yep. about the same thing? Uh, we'll see I later. Guess, I guess we'll find out. Um, Mine was. Okay. Uh, I would say all the spider people do a pretty good job. Um, yeah, all of them. Yeah. They're perfect. Who plays Penny? Uh, her name is Kimiko Glenn. Okay. Well, she does a great job. Yeah, she does a great job. She Johnson as Peter B. Yeah, that's one of my favorites, and I'll Nuts. absolutely talk more into that one. And I didn't, I didn't necessarily see it on, as like as good as I think it is now until I started watching New Girl. That because like, I know I was like, yeah. I love this. It's one of my favorite performances ever. And you're like, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, you weren't like, it's fine. You thought it was a good performance, but it, you didn't necessarily get why I loved it so much. Yeah. Then you started watching New Girl, and I'm now glad. I do. I'm with you. Yeah, um, Shamik Moore. Yes. Haley Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld, phenomenal. John Mulaney, hilarious. Nick Cage, <laughs> hilarious. I forget that technically, um, Spider-Man War is, like, also 19. Yeah. Like, I forget that all the time. Especially because of this one. I'm like... Yeah. That's wild. Or, well, in the in the comics, Spider-Man Noir is, like... He's like, in his 20s, but he's not, yeah, like... I think he's, like, mid-20s. He's not particularly older than, like, any other version right. of Spider-Man. Yeah. Like, the specific thing I saw that made me remember this was I saw, like, one of those, like, Spider-Verse Tumblr posts or whatever. And I was like, imagine Jake Johnson's Spider-Man's reaction when he's, like, bitching about being, like, the grown-up of the group and the addition to Noir. And then Noir's like, I'm actually, like, 19. (laughs) Right. I don't know what you're talking about. I am 21 years old. Right, yeah. Yeah, and I think this is a very, uh... It's a very tight screenplay. It's one of the best screenplays I've ever... Oh, it's a, it's a great screenplay. I'm glad that it's all online. Yeah. Like... I think that's Reading dope. it's good. Um, you can see some nice things, and you can read, like, the authorial intent, and it's very nice. Yeah, like, as soon as they dropped it, or as soon as it went out of theaters, they dropped the script online. Yeah. Which was dope. Yeah. Um, Chris Pine is very good. Chris Pine was very good. He's only in it for a, a couple of minutes, but he's still very good. He's still good. He still sings a song for it. He, uh... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forget about the Christmas album. Uh-huh. I actually remembered it, like, yesterday, not yesterday, like, a couple days ago, like, when I was working on an essay, I was like, oh, yeah, there was a Spidey Christmas album. Um, Jake Johnson's song is so hilarious in that one, because he's, like, trying to riff, and he's like, Jake Johnson's fucking funny, man. He's hilarious. I love Jake Johnson. He wasn't, like, he's quickly become one of my favorite actors since, like, Likewise, starting to watch New Girl, yeah. and I've seen him, like, a couple of other things, but, like... Well, I saw him, I follow a bunch of, like, fan cast pages on... Instagram, because I think it's fun. And I saw him as a cast for Star-Lord more times than I can count. Probably, like, the most popular fan cast I saw over the, like, 13 accounts I follow was Jake Johnson as Star-Lord. And I 
could not see it. And then I watched one episode of New Girl, and I was like, oh, no. There. What about Jane there. Johnson as a Wolverine? Maybe. He'd have to drop his voice an octave. Yeah. Like, he'd have to. But if he did that, then, yeah, I could be down with that, actually. Yeah. I just he's, got, was... he's got the gruffness. He's got the, like, I hate everything. Thing, yeah. He's got... I, he can portray pain. Yeah. And hurt. Like, yeah. No, I'm actually on board for that. Yeah. He'd have to do some, like, some solid acting work and not just, like, be Jake Johnson. Right. But I well, could definitely see it. Well, I very much like this because I saw something about why, um... I really like this interpretation of uh, Peter Parker, so I'm probably going to talk about it a lot in this sure, podcast. Yeah. But um, what I really like about this uh, version, and I've seen people talk about it, is Jake Johnson like is usually typed out as kind of like kind of like the kind of schlubbier, like kind of wacky friend. Yeah. But what he does with this role is so amazing. It's probably my favorite favorite performance of the movie. Yeah, if I had to pick one favorite performance. It's probably either his or, Should uh, we? no, um, Oh, I love the Kingpin performance. I think it's amazing. I don't have anything against it. I just, um, it definitely wasn't one of my standouts. Like, I think it honestly, like, it's not in the top five for me is what I mean when I say I didn't get much out of it. Like, I like, really like Mahershala, I really like Brian Tyree Henry, I really like Jake Johnson, I really like Shamika, I really like Haley, I really like, um, Brian play Jefferson uh, Jefferson yeah and I really like um like Nick Cage and John Mulaney so and honestly this is like a fantastic cast they all turn in great performances yeah like there's not a bad performance to be found I would say yeah also let's take a minute to talk about the best thing about this movie what is the best thing about this movie well maybe not the best thing but the the differentest thing about this movie what is he, what do you think it is the animation yes I wrote Art, art, art. Yeah, and, uh, art, 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 art. And that's really all I have to say because I don't know enough about art or animation to really, like, talk about it. But goddamn, it's beautiful. It is. And it works so well. Nothing looks like this movie. Like, that's no, the thing I appreciate. No, and we talk about this on Road to El Dorado. I mean, like, Road to El Dorado, it looks like other movies, but, like, a color, color pad's very, like, uh, yeah. unique. It doesn't really look like any movies, like, in that sense. But not a single movie looks like Spider-Verse. Yeah. I well, really like the, um... I remember very specifically when I saw the trailer for Spider-Verse, I was like, I don't know if I like that animation. Well, I also and think that, um... after, like, a minute and a half of the movie... Like, I, I was I was cautiously optimistic about the animation. I, was like, I think I'll like this, but I've got to see more to be, like, fully on board. Right. And then within, like, the first two minutes of the movie, I was like, this is amazing. It looks gorgeous. I really like... It's the thing I'm... My favorite thing about this movie is... If you broke this movie down frame by frame, any frame could be a poster. Yes, every frame of painting is... Yeah. is... And not, like, in the same sense where, like, someone's like, yeah, I mean, every frame is a painting, like, a general... Like, every single thing looks amazing. I love the comic book style. I yeah. love the intentional blurring they do for some stuff. Mm -hmm. They make it kind of look, it's like, mist, like, misprint. It looks fantastic. Something I like. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. It's a, um... I, um... Ah... I don't know if you noticed this, because I don't know if, like, you've noticed some frame rate stuff. But there's an intentional thing to oh, do yeah. that I'm a absolute... I call it a chef kiss moment. Um, where uh, Miles moves at a slower frame rate right. than everyone else. Like, the spider people are at a, 
I think they're like a 24 frames per second, and then he's at like a 12 or something like that. I think it's it's 24 and 12, yeah. Yeah. And I didn't really realize it until I watched the sports chase scene specifically, and I was like, yeah. oh, I see what they're talking about. And it looks fantastic. And it. But then when he, when he during the what's up danger scene, the, he the moves at it. upwards, he switches over to the 24. Yeah. Uh, which Also, the what's up danger scene changed. on its own, fantastic. Oh, that's art right there. And I think that was the first look at the... Because I remember I wasn't, like, necessarily a... Yeah, they, I, we had seen that before, and then it Seeing it in person still had... Hard. I, I loved it. I um, I also get the opinion... I get the general vibe. And tell me if I'm wrong in this assessment of it. I will. Generally speaking, the comic book character, Miles Morales, is not the most popular. Like, the ideas um, are... So... Miles Morales, like, his first run was huge, and he's had, like, he's been one of the most prevalent and high, heavily featured characters in but is Marvel he like Comics necessarily- since his inception, because he's so recent, but he's, like, one of the forerunners of Marvel, and he has a lot of really good runs, and people really like him as a character in, um, other, a head- other people's runs, or, like, a Young Avengers run, but... Not a, as his own, like... A lot of his stuff on his own, people are like... Eh, but that's also how Peter is. Yeah, I suppose. And also, I was to say, is there? It just kind of seems like there's maybe more of a hesitancy to retire Peter as a character, necessarily. Which is true, but also like DC has had thirty four Green Lanterns going at the same time for right. But I mean, ever. like, you're not going to see like Bruce Wayne completely retired for like like a whole like more than like a whole run, you know. Yeah. Like, there'll be a run where the story is Bruce Wayne is missing, Dick Grayson, uh, like, there'll be a battle for the cow, or right. something. But then it'll be like, oh, Bruce, he was sent through time, he's back. He's fine. Yeah. And specifically, like, in regards to the Ultimates and stuff of Spider-Man, and I mean, not Spider-Man, Marvel, it was just a separate continuity. They're like, and then there's this universe where Miles doesn't exist, and Peter's still doing his thing. Like. Yeah. But I like, um... I very much like all the things in this movie. Another thing I very much like is um, the musical motifs. Yes. I I say feel like I say this in a good amount, so maybe it's not actually true anymore, but I used to not be a guy who'd like, recognize scores as much. Same. But uh, paid this... paid a lot more attention. This is, I think, one of the first movies I've ever, like, really been like, this is a fantastic score, and I... Yeah. Like, I specifically love... Um, and the soundtrack... Well, let's let's talk about the score first because I have a, a hot take about the soundtrack. Okay, I think I have a similar take on the soundtrack. I um, I think that something this movie has done for me that I don't really see in a lot of other movies is I can recognize musical motifs very, not necessarily, very like easily when uh-huh. it comes to this movie. And I really like um, my favorite pieces. And I have these songs like on my iPhone. I very much like the um, intro. Scoring for, like, when uh, Chris Pine Peter is explaining, like, who he yeah. is. I uh, very much like, um, what's it called? The Jake Johnson? Yes. Yeah. Because apparently that one is sort of like a, uh, kind of like a throwback kind of parody to, it sounds like a Raimi score. Yeah. Is the idea of it. And then I love, I absolutely adore the Miles score at the end for, like, his, I'm Spider-Man. Yes. It's scene. great. I love the comic book kind of chaptering thing. Like, every time we introduce a new Spider-Man, we get their comic book. Yes. And that's... It's like, it's like, this is a new chapter of the story. Right. It's great. 
What was your soundtrack thing? Um, the album of the soundtrack, not the score, is one of the best albums produced. It's not a hot take, and though. It's not a hot take, but it's like a it's it's a broad it's a a strong claim. Yeah, it's one of I the agree. best albums, and that's the end of my sentence. I agree. I am. Um... Something I, um, I think my only problem with it is that I forget those songs are, like, in the movie. Oh, I don't. Well, I mean, not, like, all of them. Like, I still remember, like, A Sunflower or What's Up Danger. But, like, maybe it's not that I, okay, it's not that I forget they're in there. I just can't tell you, like, where they are. In the same way that, like, if you, if you put the Guardians soundtrack in front of me, I could be like, that's there, that's there, that's there, that's there. But what movie have you seen more, more frequently? I think I've seen Spider-Verse. I think it's in the comparable. Spider-Verse is this movie I've seen most in the theaters, and I've seen it, like, a few times after. How many times did you see it in theaters? I think I saw it four or five. Oh, wow. I saw it a few times in Vegas, and I saw it with you, and then we saw it again the next weekend with other people. Yeah, I remember I saw it with Zane, and then I saw it with you, and I saw it with you and Tyler. And then we saw it with... And then we saw it with... And Lydia. Oh, no. First time I saw it with you was with you and And Tyler. Tyler. Yes. And then we saw it with the... Four of us, and then... Um, and I think I rewatched it again after it got its Oscar, and I was like... Yeah. It's just a gorgeous... And I watch, like, individual scenes from it every now and then, because I'm like, this is a poppin' yeah, scene. The scene fucks. I'll talk about those scenes specifically, because I wrote them down. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go into spoilers? Let's go. All Let's right. Let's go into spoilers. Okay, audience, spoilers. I want to talk about one of my uh, few complaints about this movie. Oh, please. Uh, I think it's at the Subway Chase goes on a, a tad a scotch too long specifically like yeah. and i think that maybe it's because i'd already seen it because that was a post-credit scene for venom it was and you know what i was thinking about like as i was like typing this out and i realized that i think that maybe a much better uh post-credit scene for venom would have just been the my name is peter parker backstory thing from the yes, beginning that would have been better because i mean I don't know. I think that would have worked much better. Also, even outside of that, I think it just goes on just a little too long. Yeah. Especially because it kind of has like this high jinky feel that doesn't really fit in with the rest of the movie, I'd say. Yeah, it's it's a little more... Uh, just slapsticky than like the, slapsticky, yeah. the rest of the movie is. But other than that, my only other scene is... Um, I My only other complaint would be that I think that maybe... Um, well, I have two. But one of them's not even really a complaint yet. Okay. My first one is maybe the other three spider people needed a, just a bit more to do. Penny, Pig, and... Noir. Uh, Noir. Yeah. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen them each have a little bit more to do. Yeah. I mean, maybe, like... Because, I mean, we cut to them, like, in the big climax. But I don't know if they had, like, their moment, you know? Right. But... That's my one, that's my other one complaint. But even then, I still, like, not to the point where I'm like, this movie didn't need them. Right. Like, I'm just like, oh, maybe they could have done a bit more. But you know what? I'm still very happy of their inclusions. And I don't know what the remedy for it is. Maybe, like, they have a bit more to do in the climax. Maybe they get introduced a bit earlier. But I don't know if I needed that either. Because I like where they're introduced. I would have just liked uh, some... Well, I don't even know if that would work. Because I would say give some of the lines in the, like group dialogue scenes to them instead of to Peter or Miles or right. Gwen. But, but I think all the I dialogue works out very well for it them. It does. Anyway. 
maybe just talking a little bit more in there. And I think that could be remedied with a sequel. Right. But that's, that's my one thing about it. You don't think it needs a sequel? I don't think it needs a sequel at all. I th- my thing is that I don't necessarily... I think this movie is, is like... Perfect as is. Perfect as is, and any addition to it is... See, my one complaint... My other one complaint is I don't necessarily need to see a Miles and Gwen romance. I also don't need that either. Because I know that they're, like, talking about that would be, like, more featured in the sequel. I'm like, I like very much where it is, where they're kind of like... Yeah. We're good friends. Yeah. And maybe that'll be, like, the conclusion in the sequel. Maybe it'll be like, you know what? We work better as friends. Well, here's here's the thing. The The way it ends is we're good friends now and maybe something more later. Yeah. And that's fine. Like, yeah. I don't need any And I think that's further... a very unique thing to see now. It is. Yeah. So those would be those are like my only complaints. Yeah. That I don't that maybe uh the Subway Chiefs went this scene I'd already seen went on a bit long. Yeah. Maybe they needed more to do. Maybe and then like <laughs> and then maybe something to do, do with the like sequel. An all out romance. Yeah. In a sequel. My other thing I wrote in regards to a sequel is I very much love Jake Johnson as Peter B. Parker. Like, yeah. I'll maybe when I get into more about scenes I like specifically I can talk about that. And because of I love his storyline and everything about it. I don't need to see him in a sequel. Like, I'd actually prefer yep. not to see him. I, I would agree. Maybe I would like to see more of Jake Johnson, though. And I don't know what the remedy for these two is. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'll tell you what the remedy is. But it's something I, I almost definitely don't want to see. What is it? And it would be a spinoff that just has Peter B. in New York, like, fixing his shit and becoming Spider-Man again. Do you, um... But I don't think that's... We need that at all. No, because I think, like, his ending scene... This is one of the ones I wrote down specifically. It's, like, five seconds. Like, his arc is... I mean, him leaving... One of my favorite scenes in the movie. Yeah. Where... Because he's also very clearly depressed and, like depending on how you want to read it, suicidal of his intent to stay oh, behind. Oh, no, definitely. Yeah, yeah. No, he he is... He uh, has the mentality where he's like, I'm not gonna do it, but goddammit, if it happens, I won't, like, I won't be mad. Like, he, he's, he's self-destructive to the point of potentially suicidal. Right, yeah. And then, so... Uh, yeah. So the specific scene is... So throughout the movie, the stakes are that because the spider people are from alternate dimensions, their atoms don't, like, work in right. this dimension. So they will, like, glitch out, I guess you'd best way to describe it. Yeah. And then if they stay long enough, they will, like, die. Right. They'll, they'll disappear from existence. Right. So Jake Johnson's Peter B. Parker is very much like, it's okay, you know what? I'll stay behind. I will save the day. And then I will accept my death. Yeah. And it's like, his insistence to it could be, I agree with it, you agree with it, most people seem to agree with it, but I don't know, I'm not going to say it's 100% what it is, but it right. is suicidal. Like, because yeah. his life sucks. Like Right, it blows. In like his world, like Aunt May's dead, him and MJ split up, he's clearly depressed. So, there's a scene at the end where like everyone's about to go home, and then like the kingpin is there, and then he's like, you know what, you shut it down, Miles, I'll stop this guy. And then Miles is like, I'm not going to do that. No, you have to go home. And he's like, no, it's fine. Trust me. And then they flip the scene where he... The way he says it's fine, fine. 
Yeah. That is... Like, when the, he says, it's okay, like, when Jake Johnson yeah. says that? Yeah. The... That no, I'm 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 gonna make the claim that you're you're skirting around. It is suicidal. Yeah, it because is. the way he says it's, it's okay, okay. Yeah, he's like, let me do this. Right. I want to do this. I'm trying to do this. And then the other thing is like, I understand and welcome the death. consequences. Yeah. And then Miles like trips him, and then he like kind of holds him over the portal, and then like, which is like a reversal of what happened earlier right chef's kiss chef's, chef's kiss. kiss so and peter b's it is suicidal let's say it yeah no it is and it is uh, you you had to say that line for me to like for the it's okay yeah and then the other thing is like peter b's isn't like no you need my help that's not what he says no he says how do i know i'm not gonna mess it up again yeah and then he's like you won't and then it's a leap of faith and then he's like that's right and then he, like, lets him fall. It's great. It is great. Oh, man. And then the other thing, I noticed, I didn't notice this. I uh, saw this on, like, a Tumblr thing. I mean, I didn't notice it the first few times I watched the movie, but after I saw it, it was pointed out. I was like, oh, that's great. Is that when um, we cut back to, like, the montage of all the spider people at the end of it, and we see Peter B. He's, like, clearly put an effort to better himself. Yes. Like, he's, like, kind of lost some weight. He's, like shaved he's clean shaven his hair is like nicer he's like in a suit considering he's like in sweatpants most of the movie yeah so it's great and he's like made an effort to better himself and he has and that alone is why i don't need to see more of him exactly his arc is complete and any furthering of the arc would be unnecessary at best and a disservice to the character at worst right yeah and i do think that other things I've seen is that Miles didn't need a father figure, but he needed a son figure. Yes. And I think that that's like a, that's a fantastic like idea to explore. And I want to see something like that explored more in other like mediums. Cause I think that's a fantastic subversion of the trope. Cause the big thing that led to his, um, like marriage collapsing is that he didn't want to have kids. Yeah. And you know, and that doesn't necessarily get into why, but if you choose to read it as Spider-Man is a dangerous job and he doesn't want to have what happened to him with Uncle Ben, which I is how I interpret it, at least. Agreed. I, it's an understandable reason to not want to have kids, you know? Absolutely. But then, like, there's this moment, another fantastic moment, because it's not like they don't dwell on it. It's just like a throwaway. When Miles comes back and he's active as Spider-Man and he's great, Peter says, oh my god, I'm so proud of you. Do I want kids? Like, yeah. It's small enough where it's, like, you see the shift in the arc, but it's not, like, it's not belabored. Well, and, and that's, that's a qualm I have with a, a different Spider-Man. Which one? Uh, Tom. Oh. So much emphasis is put, especially in, like, the MCU fandom, on, um... Him and Tony? Him and Tony's, like father-son dynamic but all the emphasis is placed on tony being his dad right and not that tony not also that, needs a son figure right because peter does not need a father figure he does not right but tony absolutely needs a son well the other thing is yeah like miles has aaron he doesn't like what's like uh, sorry to go on a brief end, end game tangent and i will keep it brief but what causes Tony to 
build time travel. It's Peter. the picture of Peter. Yeah. yeah. What's the first thing he says when he gets back? It's not, man, we lost. It's not, so many people have died. It's not, I hate myself. It's not, thanks for saving, or like, thanks for not hating me. It's, I lost the kid. Right, yeah. Like, Tony is, or Peter is Tony's son far more than Tony is Peter's dad. Right, yeah. Yeah, no, that's what it is. Like, he's still, like, very much, like, I would say Miles still very much, like, you know, respects Peter as, like, a mentor, sort of. Oh, absolutely. And I think, I I think Miles sees Peter as, like, a an almost father figure. Kind of. I mean, but also, he's not looking to fill that hole. Yeah, well, because he has Aaron, and Jefferson is, isn't, like, even a bad dad. He's, like, a great dad. He's just yeah. kind of goofy, and they don't, like, kind of connect on a whole lot of stuff right but they like the relationship isn't like the greatest in the world or anything but it's not like a bad relationship so it's like it's like an accurate relationship like i have so many people who have that relationship with their dad yeah it's not they don't even have a bad relationship it's just like they they don't always quite get each other yeah you know yeah and that's fine also oh my god the scene where uh jefferson comes to the door oh what a fucking scene that scene is heartbreaking it is i'm tearing up a little bit thinking about it Oh, yeah. Specifically, like, the um, part where he's like, I can see your shadow under the door. And then he's just like, oh, okay. Um. And he gets yeah. into, I'm like, it's so good. It is I, um, great. I'm trying to think what else. You want to talk about uh, Aaron? Let's talk about Aaron. Yes. What a great thing. I, um... Something I found interesting is when I, like, talked to people who had seen this movie before me, they were very... And I do remember this when I saw it in the theater, too, the first time, at least. Because uh, Miles isn't necessarily as mainstream of a character prior to this movie, I'd say. Yeah. Like, he is much more now. Yeah. But, like, back... Even a couple years ago, he wasn't... He, he was very mainstream in the comics, but he wasn't, like, well-known to your general audience. Like, everyone was like, oh, yeah, and then there's, um... Oh, there's that black kid who's yeah, Spider-Man. Yeah, the black Spider-Man. Right. He, but, like, that was the extent of That was it. And then... But what I found interesting is... That, uh... Jefferson being the Prowler worked very well as a twist. Or Aaron being the Prowler. Aaron being the Prowler worked yeah. very well as a twist. It did, even though, like... If you know anything about Miles Morales... Like, if you'd read one Miles Morales comic beforehand, you knew. Yeah. But even still, the plot twist worked for me. It did. There were like, gasps in my, in my audience... Well, I was I was well aware of the fact that yeah. Aaron was Prowler. Like I I was very aware of that fact, but right. it the plot twist still worked. Just like the the What's Up Danger scene, like I had seen it before, right? Yeah, and it still worked. No, I love that. I um, and the same thing with uh, Gwen's introduction because we had seen that in trailers too. That one worked. Yeah, and obviously I was like, oh, that's so obviously Gwen Stacy, but like, yeah, Th- that works fantastically. I'd say. It almost makes me want to see Mahershala as the Prowler in the MCU. I would, but they've already cast Aaron Davis. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I also am like, Donald Glover's also a fantastic choice. And I yeah. also, having s- the comfort and joy in, like, just how great the performance of Mahershala as Aaron Davis doesn't necessarily outweigh, like, my, like, I don't know the exact term for it. My, like, enjoyment and, like, thrills I get thinking about the possibilities of him as Blade, though. I don't yes. know exactly which one I want to see more. 
Like, I need to see him as Blade before I can be like, ooh, maybe I would like to see him more as, like, the Prowler again. Yeah. I, but still, it's great. What worked very well for me was him dying. Because yeah. I didn't necessarily know we were going to get that. Because I, I know, um, generally speaking, the Miles Morales story involves his dad dying, if I'm not mistaken. Jefferson sticks around, but Prowler doesn't usually die that early. Oh, okay. In the Miles arc. I had heard that, I, from what I understood, he, Jefferson died. And that was, like, the twist. Because, like, Peter's uncle dies, Jeff, or Miles' dad dies. Well, there's there's a lot of comics around, um, like, the awkward family interactions. Because, originally, Miles finds out Aaron is Prowler. And Aaron finds out Miles is Spider-Man. But Neither they them. both find that out independently. So neither of them knows the other knows. And there's one comic, I think, where it's like, it's like a holiday dinner or something, and they're all together. Right. And both of them know, but they don't know that the other knows, and it's great. Also, something, I, something I've gone back and forth on, but I think after this rewatch, I have finally settled on an answer for it. Uh-huh. Is that Jefferson absolutely knows Aaron is the Prowler? Yes, 100%. Because... I was like, oh, maybe he doesn't. Because, like, but then after rewatching, like, really watching the scene specifically where he comes across as Aaron's body, I'm like, oh, he's not like, oh my god, he's the Prowler. He's like, oh my god, my brother. Yeah. And I very much like the idea that, like, you know, he's like, because it's very clear that, like, they don't necessarily not like each other, but they just kind of have, like, a kind of, like, a strained relationship. Right. And that's very interesting. But I think their relationship is based on a on a mutual respect for each other as people yeah with a disdain for each other as professionals right well because also it seems to me that like what had happened i mean just not even seems to me it's like what it is is that right they used to like hang out and do like i don't know like general kind of like cool shit yeah and then jefferson kind of got responsible and became a cop or whatever and aaron fell off in the other direction yeah and it doesn't seem to me that necessarily, like, they were, like, co-partners in crime or anything, as opposed to just, like, just kind of kids doing stupid right, shit. Like neighborhood hooligans. Street youths. Just goons, you know? Yeah. But I also like the idea that Jefferson is well aware that his brother is the Prowler, but chooses to not do much of... He, he doesn't come forth with the information. If he's ever on a call where the Prowler, where, like, they're hunting the Prowler, he's gonna do what he has to do. Right. But, like, he's not going to be like, hey, so, by the way, my brother... Is super a, super criminal. Right. I also like that this movie kind of has a sneaky Sinister Six. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really realize that. I was like, oh yeah, I guess there are yeah. six of There's them. There's six villains. Yeah. I think it, it doesn't feel crowded. No. I would say... This movie has so many characters, and they all feel relatively well-addressed. There are some characters, like the other three spiders, where you're like, I wish I got a little more from you. Yeah, like but, Tombstone or something, maybe. Yeah, but like for the most part, you're like, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I guess the only other thing I would say is that maybe, like, Scorpion kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Considering we already had Goblin as, like, the big guy, you know? Right. So then just having, like, Scorpion come in is a bit, like, oh, whatever. But, honestly, just, like, him speaking in Spanish and sometimes it being subtitled and sometimes it not was just enough for me to be like, yeah, I love this one even more. Nice. Um, okay. Yeah, you want to do your MJ theory? Okay, let's talk about my MJ theory. I it think is, I know what it is. I cannot lay claim to this MJ theory. But MJ betrayed Peter. And she, like, sold him out to Kingpin. 
and is sort of on Kingpin's team. And that's how Peter Parker in Miles' universe died. Okay. And what, because Kingpin says something when Peter's identity is revealed that he's not surprised. Right, yeah. And then, we, even though Peter Parker is a relatively unremarkable individual in, right. this, in this universe, um, he's like just a photographer, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, he's like a grad student, part-time photographer. Yeah. And um, MJ is speaking at Kingpin's event that is like a, a memorial for Spider-Man, but is obviously fake. And she obviously knows it. Right. The other thing, and I think I've seen about this, and I like, I think that I think lends credence to this, is that May is absent from all the events. Yeah. May is not there because Peter... Peter is really good about keeping a secret identity, but the people who know, he talks to them extensively. Right. Peter, or MJ knows who Kingpin is. Right. And she's not going to show up to an event that Kingpin's hosting. Right. Because she knows he's full of shit. And same with May. Yeah. So why is MJ there, but May isn't? Yeah. Because MJ was in cahoots. And the other thing is, um, what's it called? Uh, and it's not as though no one has, like, like, May isn't really, like, like, she's not really, like, being, like, interviewed and asked about it in the same respect as, like, MJ is. Because we very clearly see, like, a vigil is at the Parker house. Yeah. And also, it's, like, overwhelming for May, too. Like, she's, like, ready to beat the spider people of, like, a baseball yeah, she's bat. she's got a bat. She's like, I'm not doing this shit anymore. And then she sees Peter B and is like... Also, scene. Great scene. Fantastic Phenomenal. scene. I really like May in this universe too yeah may is great i like that she's like very much like in the loop on the spider stuff love that she's like supporting miles i think one of my favorite jokes it doesn't even like we don't even get an explanation for it it's just that like when all the villains show up at the parker house she's like oh great it's live and i'm like i don't even need to know why because like i get the joke like earlier doc ock said that her friends call her live and then may is like oh great it's live but i'm like i don't even need to know the reasoning behind it I don't need to know if they're, like, friends at some point or whatever. I'm just, like, I love that joke. Like. Yeah. That's what I think is the greatest thing about, one of the greatest things about the movie, is that it has so many great jokes. It does. But none of them really, like, belabor it, or very much, like. No, none of them are, like, look at the joke we just made. Is right. Aren't we funny? Yeah. Aren't we hilarious? Yeah. Like, you miss some of them, honestly. Yeah. Like, there's so many little jokes that I'm, like, oh, my God. I'm, like, seeing them every now and then. One of my favorite jokes in the entire movie i didn't even realize it when i first watched it becca is the one because she's the one i saw it the first time oh uh-huh. who picked up on it was when like peter's like here's what i'm gonna do he's like going through his plan and then like spider-man's like gonna go like hack this guy's computer and then i was like oh yeah that lady's the head uh scientist and he's like cool i'm gonna re-examine my personal biases and then he like <laughs> that's like a fantastic joke that is a great joke and it's not belabored like, this is such a tight screenplay it is it is great i house do you have anything else to add about a that theory that's and it's been confirmed you said yes i but ignoring the fact it's been confirmed thoughts i had seen it i was like oh that's interesting i um actually i've been like kind of on the fence about it i was like maybe i just don't see like why i guess would be the best thing but then while i was doing this i had seen other stuff about it and i one of the ones i had seen was that Assuming there are some, like, kind of universal constants. Uh-huh. It's that maybe, um... Uh... 
specifically in this universe, it seems like May has an active role as, like, helping Peter as Spider-Man. Right. And maybe MJ is kind of in, like, stop being Spider-Man. Yeah. And maybe that led to a fight, and maybe that led to, led to whatever. Yeah. Because the other thing was that it doesn't seem as though May and MJ are on speaking terms. No. Which is further evidence towards my theory. Yeah, and that's what made me come around. Well, again, not my theory. Right. I would credit the Tumblr user who it, created yeah. it, but I do not know them, so... If you go to, like, r slash into the Spider-Verse or whatever it is, yes, it's probably you, one of, like, the top ones. You will find it, and I encourage you to do so, so right. that you can uh, credit it to them when you tell your friends. My only problem, like, with the theory mm-hmm. is that, like, Peter's death doesn't really have anything to do with Kingpin knowing who he is. No, but there's there's further explanation in theory that that's how, like, Peter got, or how Spider-Man got lured into this sort of trap. Was but, because like, because Kingpin had extensive knowledge of who Peter was. Maybe. Okay, I guess that makes sense. But I feel like my only problem with that, furthermore, is that um, Spider-Man would come to this no matter what. Probably. Like... Nothing about, like, him dying necessarily tells me that it requires, like, an intimate knowledge of, like, Peter's, like, M.O. as a person or stuff like that. Like, or even, like, anything more information than you could get just by, like, understanding Spider-Man, like, as a hero, you know? Yeah. And that was, like, the only thing where I was like, I mean, I suppose. But, like, I get that, yeah. Uh, trying to think if there's anything else. Well, because that was my complaint about the movie. Was several of these points that I didn't have the the mental like i i didn't connect the dots on my own but i saw the dots and was like that's weird like why is mj at a kingpin party right that's weird why was kingpin not surprised when he found out who he is why are may and mj not speaking like right like all those things are kind of weird and somebody else connected the dots and i was like no yeah that'll that'll do it yeah that'll be it yeah i suppose i i like it as a theory i mean i guess it's a fact but like yeah. I like it. I think it, uh... I have another tangent I like to get into. Please. A tangent about Spidey being Jewish. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, people, I'm gonna call them, uh, fuckheads, were none too stoked about the revelation that Jake Johnson Spider-Man was, in fact, Jewish. Yeah. But here's the thing, and I also can't take credit for this, I scoured the internet, I tried to find it, because there's this whole Tumblr thread about how, in fact, Peter Parker is one of the most Jewish characters ever written. Yeah. And it's not like a stereotypical way either. It's not like, oh, he's so Jewish because yada, yada, yada. No, this thread is written by Jewish individuals yeah. who are like, these are important things in my culture that I recognize in Peter Parker. Right. First of all, the idea of a superhero is, in fact, a pretty Jewish idea. Yeah. You know that, you see, listeners, because do you know who the founding fathers of the comic industries were? Uh-huh. A bunch of Antifa Jew kids. <laughs> like, uh-huh. All these stories are, like, about stopping fascists and stopping haters and stuff like that. Right. Which is an inherent... Most of them are, like, direct Nazis. They're yeah. Nazis. Like, most of the... Almost every hero's first, like, storylines when they were first introduced were them fighting Nazis or helping in World War II. Right. And then... And they were created before World War II. Guess what they did once it started? Uh-huh. They started lending a hand. And sometimes it wasn't as explicit. Like, I don't know if Superman necessarily went over to punch Hitler a whole bunch. He did. Yeah. I mean, he did every now and then. But, like, he also fought clearly coded Nazis. Coding is, like... When I say coding, I mean, they just didn't have swastikas, but they still had armbands. Right. Like, he, like... This is 
uh, not the best moment in Superman's history, but, like, he fought, like, the Japanese. Yeah. Not, like, a Japanese supervillain. Like, he fought, like, the Japanese. the Japanese people. Wonder Woman did too a lot, I know. Yeah. Batman was actually more fighting Nazis. Batman, but he never left home. Yeah, I mean, he would fight, like, not, like, like Nazi sympathizers Nazis would show up in Gotham and be like, oh, fuck those kids. Yeah. So, you see, and then Peter Parker, you know, he came, like, 20 years after World War right. II. So you might be like, oh, how did he fight Nazis? Hey, Peter Parker does not hesitate to squash racism in any... Correct. Like, no heroes really are, like, diggity down of racism. Like, really, really? Yeah, every once in a while you get one who they've written to be sort of, like... Kind of a bigot every now and then, but, like... Well, sort of bigoted, and then the, the moral is, like, you're wrong, or one who will be, like... Kind of a dick? Kind of a a dick, or, like... I I hesitate to make this comparison just because I'm on air, but, like, staunch Republicans... Not to say that all Republicans are... Are we talking about Green Lantern? But yeah, I'm talking about Green Lantern. Right. Not to say that all Republicans are are bigots or well, I see, racist I even, or Nazis. I would or whatever, even say that that is like a but, unfair comparison because one of my favorite comic moments is from that story, where um. So for those of you who don't know, I think it was like in the eighties or the seventies. Yeah. Uh, someone, maybe it was Grant Morrison. I don't. I might be making that up though. Had the idea of pairing up a uh, Green Arrow, actual socialist. Yeah. <laughs> like, real communist Oliver Queen. <laughs> Right. Up with a uh, staunch Republican conservative, Hal Jordan. Right. And they would uh, kind of travel around the country. They travel around the country, like, debating politics and occasionally stopping bad guys only to return home to find Speedy shooting heroin. Right, yeah. <laughs> so one of these issues features a moment where an African-American gentleman comes up to a Green Lantern and asks him point blank, you're off in space fighting for purple aliens and blue aliens and green aliens and all this shit. Right. Why don't you do anything for black people? And Green Lantern is forced to respond with, I don't know. Uh-huh. And then Oliver is like, yeah, fuck you. And he like has like a ten, like a fucking ten panel monologue shaming Green Lantern for not using his godlike powers to help out. Disenfranchised individuals. Or specifically right. like civil rights yeah. movements. Yeah. So this is a long way of getting back to the fact that all art is political. All art is political. And superheroes in general are right all art is political times one superheroes in general are political times 10 spider-man is political times 25 right at me yes so he um you know the big thing about spidey that i think is he's written he's created by like you know stanley and steve ditko both jewish individuals who like get Uh in scrapes with like the local fucking nazis I know Stan Lee was. Was Steve Ditko a veteran of World War II? He was. They both fought in... They both fought in World, World. War II. And um, also, tropes associated with Spider-Man are also very big Jewish tropes. Yes. Specifically the way he talks. Yeah. There's a term for it, I forget what it is, but there's this very common Jewish trope where the uh, Jewish hero will talk to God as though, like, his inconveniences are, like, a personal wrong to him done by God. Right. Think, um, Tevia from a... What's it called? Fiddler on the Roof. Like, that's... Yeah. That's kind of the quintessential thing, where he, like, regularly have conversations with God, where he's like, ah, this fucking life, God, I swear. Right. If I was a rich man. Yeah. 
And that's very much like the Peter Parker type thing. It is. Well, and then not to mention that Peter Parker is written as a character as being of one of two belief sets. Belief set one, like throughout his entire history as a as a superhero or as a literary character, might I add. Right. He's written as one of two religious beliefs. One, entirely agnostic and just like, you know, maybe, but also like science is dope. Yeah. And then the other one is the same thing, but also my aunt is Jewish. So like, you know. Yeah. Also, Uncle Ben apparently is a very Jewish kind of tropey character. Yeah. Specifically, uh, with great power comes great responsibility is a very big Jewish tenet. It's a, it's a, that, that saying is based off of a Jewish proverb. proverb. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's not word for word, but it's like, it's the same gist. Yeah. And it's so weird to me that despite all this stuff, well, A, first of all, despite how obviously it is that Jewish, that Peter Parker is probably Jewish. Right. Or at, very at, least, at least, he's at least like ethnically Jewish and doesn't practice. Right. Yeah. That A, people were mad when Jake Johnson's Spider-Man was Jewish. Right. And he also wasn't like aggressively Jewish. Like Justin was like recapping his life. We just saw him like just step on the glass. Right. He wasn't like thrown around oy vays and like putting schmears on bagels or any other like stereotypical Jewish stuff besides just being Jewish, you know? Right. Like, it wasn't like, look how Jewish he is. He's so Jewish. Like, he didn't Isn't another... he Jewish? Yeah. Like... And also, there's nothing wrong with the character being Jewish and, like, exactly. being Jewish, you know? But, like, the other thing is... That's my wallet. <laughs> yep. Did you think it was mine? Oh, I know it's yours. I mean, did you think it was yours? We'll get into it. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so... <laughs> my thing is, like, people are mad about that. As though, like, Spider-Man being Jewish for five seconds outwardly and, like, the rest of this movie inwardly affected them. Right. And I get why. It's because superheroes are sometimes co-opted by the alt-right, which is dumb and bad. That was my tangent about Peter Parker being Jewish. It's a solid tangent. Do you have anything else you'd like to add about the Spider-Verse? Great fucking movie. A1 movie. A1 movie. Go watch it. It's tremendous. It is. I love it. I love it, too. It makes me happy in my heart. It's my favorite movie of 2018. I'd have to look at a list of movies in 2018, but it's it's at least top five. Yeah. All right. Want to do what we're doing next week? Let's talk about what we're doing next week. What August. are we doing next week? Next week, we are watching a movie that has been referenced during the course of this podcast at least once or twice. Yeah. And uh, it is my favorite movie of the year 2019. It is tremendous. It is. A... Uh, a absolute like triumph of writing. Uh, we're we're gonna talk about Knives Out, directed by Ryan Johnson. Shing shing. That's my knife sound. That was a great knife sound. I know. We're gonna talk about Knives Out, and we it's are. gonna be a wonderful time. It is. I have so much to say about that movie. It's a fantastic film. It is indeed. We uh, I guess we'll mention it when we talk about it. We have a bet that was regarded to that movie. Oh, we did, and I won. We did, yeah. I won. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. All right. Uh, Until then, uh, you know, stay, uh, keep it easy, folks. Stay sticky. Yeah. My friends. Stay sticky. Bye.